Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. If you're just joining us today, uh, I kicked off a series called Hand Picked. Everybody say that. Say, I am hand picked. And this means each of us. This includes the person in front of you. This includes the person behind you. Each of us, we have been handpicked by God to be the hands and feet of God. We've been handpicked by God to be his hands and feet in this world. But oftentimes what happens is God, he gives us the visions, he gives us the dreams, and what we want to do is we want to grab onto it right then and there. But just because you have been handpicked doesn't mean immediate position. Because a lot of us, what we're seeing doesn't match up to what God said. Because of things that's going on in our life right now. Because of situations we've come up against. Because of where we're at in our life at the moment, we begin to second guess if we're handpicked or not. Your job makes you wonder if you are handpicked. Trust me, I work in a prison, mine does. <laughs> Your job makes you wonder if you're handpicked. Your school makes you wonder if you're handpicked. Your bank account, your age makes you wonder if you're handpicked. Like, God, I'm already 50. It's too late in the game for me to be starting something new. I got an AARP card already. I'm already 50. But understand, God called Sarah to birth a child, a woman that was barren for 90 years. She could not birth the child for 90 years. So that means she got some real good sleep for 90 years. Can y'all tell I'm sleep deprived? I got three children. She had some real good sleep for 90 years. But because of a promise of God, she goes from sleeping all night to changing diapers all night. But because if Abraham's anything like me, he plays sleep long enough just to see Sarah get up and go get the baby. <laughs> But see, the promise God gave to you is not a lie. What God told you is not a lie. He's still going to do it. If he said it, it'll happen. If he said it, it'll come to pass. But are you willing to shine in the space you're in right now? Are you willing to shine at that school you don't want to go to? Are you willing to shine at that job you don't want to work at? Are you willing to go to the battlefield? Are you willing to go to the street corner and just light it up? Just let it shine. Are you willing to shine in the space that you're in right now? Because what I found is that a lot of believers, we despise the space we're in. Because it doesn't feel good. Because it doesn't look good. And sometimes it may not even smell good. But could it be God is using the mud to develop you? Could it be God is using the mud to shape you? See, we begin to dig into David's life. And when we pick up in David's life, he's out in the mud. He's taking care of sheep. While everybody else is about to have themselves some lamb chops, he's taking care of sheep. While everybody else is about to get their party on and, and make some sacrifices, he's outside taking care of what they needed for the sacrifice. David was in the mud, but he was developed in the mud. He put it this way, if I was a ball player, and trust me, I am not talking about the Orioles. I mean, they look like a little league team. But they're my boys, I'm just joking. But if I played for a ball club, 
and I had no development in my stance, no development in how to hold the bat, no development in how to swing the bat, I would strike out over and over and over. To be honest, I probably fit in with the Orioles. <laughs> I probably fit right in. But a boxer doesn't go into a ring without being trained or developed, or they would be knocked out. But so many believers, so many followers of Christ, we want to bypass the development stage and jump right into purpose. David was developed in the mud. And when David came out of the mud, David was ready. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And when I started this series, I said, I'm, I'm going to pass by this, this story because it's so familiar. But God hit the pause button. <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're picking up at verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine, that was straight disrespect right there. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So David is about to go up against this man that's double his size. But he was prepared for this while he was still in the mud. See, while he was still in the mud, he struck down bears. While he was still in the mud, he struck down lions. But now that he's out the mud, here's a millennial term, David was bouted. He was gangster. But just in case it's unclear, David was ready for whatever. Even if whatever's name was Goliath. Even if whatever stood nine feet tall. See, what God is trying to tell us, that the mud may not feel good. It may not look good. It may not even smell good at times. But the mud is to ensure that you're ready for battle. The mud is to ensure that you're ready for whatever. So here's my title. I'm ready to rumble. I'm ready to rumble. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you, God, first. I just thank you for everything that you do. I thank you for your word, oh God, how it's, it's going to be plain, like you're just going to lay it out for us, oh God. Speak through me. Allow my mouth to be your mouth, my words to be your words, my spirit to be your spirit. Decrease me, God, so the people of God may see you. And when it's all said and done, someone says, what must I do to be saved? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so David, he's anointed to be king, but he doesn't go straight to the palace. He stays at his father's house. He stays at his father's house. He's developed in the mud. But, but, but his father orders him to take bread to his brothers. But David goes right back to the mud. He goes right back to training. He was developed in the mud. He was made in the mud. He doesn't go right to the palace. See, what happened is, is Saul, he's dealing with some distress right now. And the only way to relieve this distress is someone playing a string instrument. So Saul, he hears through the grapevine that David is talented with this, this string instrument. So Saul enlists David to step into a palace that would soon be his to play this instrument. But if you check a couple verses before, you find out that God is the one that caused Saul's distress. See, when it comes to being handpicked by God, you won't have to promote yourself. 
God is the one that caused the distress that allowed David to step into the palace. When it comes to being handpicked, you won't have to promote yourself. God will cause a struggle somewhere else for somebody to realize they need you. He'll cause a company to struggle with numbers to realize they need an accountant. He'll cause a company to struggle with, with patients to realize they need a nurse. He'll cause the company that you're at right now to struggle on a day-to-day to realize they need to promote you. But you thought the door just opened by itself. You thought it just happened by chance. You thought they just called you out of the blue. But really, it was God orchestrating things behind the scene. It was really God putting you in position. It was really God opening the door for you to walk through it. But say, David, he, he, he doesn't stay at the palace at that time. He doesn't stay at the palace. He goes to his father's house, and he goes back to the palace. He goes to Bethlehem, and he goes back to the palace. He goes back to Bethlehem, and he goes back to the palace. He goes back to the father's house. See, even though David had a little bit of success, even though he was taking steps towards purpose, he did not forget to go back to the father's house. Even though David had a little bit of success, even though he was taking steps towards purpose, he did not forget the father. And what God is telling us, it doesn't matter how successful you are in life right now. It doesn't matter how far you are in life right now. Don't forget the father because he's the one that blessed you. He's the one that keeps you. He's the one that leads you. He's the one that opened the door for you to walk through it. Don't forget the father. Don't forget the Father. Because what I found is that a lot of people, what we do is we pray, we cry out to God, and then when the answer comes, we forget the Father. But, but David, his father orders him. He says, Here, this, here's what I need you to do, David. Grab some supplies and take the supplies and some bread down to your brothers. Now, while I thought the only revelation God wanted me to have from this is that David was willing to take bread to his brothers, that he was willing to take Jesus, the bread of life, to his brothers, God said, no, 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 no. That's good, but look again. The father sends the son to the battlefield. Oh, that's so good right there. Oh, that's so good. The father sends the son to the battlefield. And while everybody else didn't know why David was there, God orchestrated it for David to slay the giant. Did you catch it? The father sends the son to slay a giant on the battlefield. The father sends Jesus to slay a giant called sin, to slay a giant called death, to slay a giant called Satan. And since we are the sons and daughters of his, since we are his hands and feet, the reason you're at the job you're at is because God sent you there. The reason you're at the school you're at is because God sent you there. The reason you're in the banking system, the reason you're in the education system, is because God said there's a giant that needs to be slayed. There's a giant called unsin. There's a giant called unloved. There's a giant called unfocused. There's a giant called loneliness. God sent you to slay the giant. He handpicked you to go and slay the giant. God chose you so you can be the answer. He chose you so you can be the answer. Go to verse 4. Oh, this is great. Get good, y'all. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with the coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. So David shows up to the battle, 
and he finds the Philistines' army on one side, and he finds the army of the Lord on the other side. They're in between a valley. And out steps this, this mammoth, huge man. This man that stands nine feet tall. And he begins taunting the people of Israel. Won't one of you step out and fight me? Let's do this man to band. Let's throw the fist. One of you step out and fight me and we can settle this right here and now. But the people of Israel were afraid. The king at the time, Saul, he was afraid. In fact, this was blatant disrespect to Saul. Because the land that the enemy occupied, where they encamped, where they set up shop, belonged to Judah. It was governed by Saul. This land was given to the people of God by God. Have you allowed the enemy to set up shop on something God said was yours? Have you allowed him to occupy land God said was yours? Have you allowed him to encamp in your home? Have you allowed him to encamp in your marriage, encamp at your school, encamp at your job? So you didn't know that that land was yours, but God said, I sent you there to slay the giant. Have you allowed him to encamp on something God said was yours? Saul was afraid. And it seems as if the enemy knows exactly when and where to attack. Because Saul, he isn't the man he once was. At one point, he was a mighty warrior. At one point, he had the spirit of God. At one point, he had the favor of God. At one point, him and the prophet Samuel, they were road dogs. They were road dogs. But now, now, the spirit of God has been removed. The favor of God has been removed. And Saul and Samuel, they're on the outs. Saul has now hit an all-time low. And then guess what? Here comes the attack. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, here comes the attack. Anybody ever felt like that? Just when it felt like it can't get no worse than this, here comes another attack. I mean, if it ain't this, it's that. If it ain't that, it's this. It's attack after attack after attack after attack. It just because you're handpicked doesn't mean the enemy won't attack you. Just because you're handpicked don't mean the enemy won't show up and try to stop you. It's attack after attack after attack after attack. Just because you've been handpicked doesn't mean it won't be a battle. If it ain't this, is that. If it ain't that, is this. If it ain't this, is that. If it ain't that, is this. They just told me my health was getting better. But now my wife fell sick. They just told me my kids were doing good at school. But now they cut my overtime. I can't afford the bills. If it ain't this, it's that. If it ain't that, it's this. It's attack after attack after attack after attack. But God wants you to know that what you've been praying for, what you've been seeking for is already en route. What you've been seeking God for is already on the way. Because remember, this was the people of God. So if Saul wasn't praying, somebody was wondering, where was God? Was God going to show up to the battle? Goliath was taunting them for 40 days. Day in and day out, day in and day out. So I'm pretty sure somebody was wondering, where was God? Was God going to show up to the battle? But all the while they were wondering, David was already en route. All the while they were wondering, was God going to show up? The giant slayer was already on the way. David was already on the way. But just to make application of this, you could be the very answer to someone's prayer. You could be the very answer to someone's prayer. Whether you believe it or not, people are crying out at your school. Whether you believe it or not, people are crying out at your job. The Bible literally says the earth is groaning. 
They're wondering, where is God? Is God going to show up? And God said, that's the reason I sent you to that meeting. That's the reason I sent you to that class. That's the reason I sent you to that street corner, you to that market, you to that gas station. That's the reason I sent you. But are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to be sent? Because your yes can give life to somebody else. Your yes can give life to somebody else. Because a lot of us, we think our yes is something small. Well, why would I say yes? Ain't nobody else saying yes. My yes won't make a difference in this Towson community. Why would I say yes? But your yes can give life to somebody else. Because can you imagine if David would have said, well, you know what, Dad? Man, I've been cleaning sheep all day. I smell like sheep poop. I haven't took a shower yet because when you take care of sheep, you smell like you take care of sheep. God, I've been taking care of sheep all day. You know what? I don't feel like it today. I'll get to it tomorrow. Doesn't that sound like some of us? I'll get to it tomorrow, and tomorrow usually never comes. Can you imagine if David would have said no? Would there be a people of Israel? Would there be a tribe of Judah? Goliath, was, he was taunting them for 40 days. Well, one of you step forward. One of you cowards step forward and fight me. And I know he's going to get tired of talking sooner or later, 40 days. He's just going to amount an attack. And remember, Israel was afraid. And if you talk to any boxer, any fighter, if you go into the battle afraid, you've already lost. I can remember playing on this, playing on this uh, AAU basketball team. And I mean, we were good locally. We beat everybody locally. But once we hit the national circuit, we came against this team that was ranked like number five in the nation. So we were saying to ourselves, like, man, they're going to kill us. We lost the battle before we got started. And I thank God there's no highlights because it looked like America's funniest home videos. <laughs> it looked like a bloopers tape. We lost the battle before it started. So can you imagine if Israel would have went into the battle afraid? Would there be a people of Israel? Would there be a tribe of Judah? And if there was no Judah, would there be a Jesus? Because Jesus comes out of the tribe of Judah. But David, he had the mindset of a servant. Even though he was anointed to be king, he was still willing to be sent. He was still willing to go. And get this, Jesus didn't come until generations later. So David's yes affected generation after generation after generation. In fact, it's still affecting us to this day. Because David's yes led to Jesus. And Jesus' yes led to our salvation. <laughs> it led to our salvation. This is why we don't pick and choose when to shine. We don't pick and choose where to shine. We don't pick and choose where to serve. We don't pick and choose when to serve. We just light it up. We just let it rip. Because your yes can not only affect you, but affect generation after generation after generation. But are you willing to be sent? Are you willing to say yes? Because your yes can give life to somebody else. David's yes gave life to us. Your yes can give life to somebody else. Go back to verse 30. See where I want to pick up. Verse 36. Go back to verse 36. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Underline that. We're going to get to that later. He has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. 
And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now David is letting him know, listen, I was prepared for this, this battle when I was still taking care of sheep, when I was still in the mud. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a armor. I'm sorry, he clothed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with the coat of mail. And David strapped on his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. So David gets to the battle, and he sees that the people of Israel are afraid. And he's like, who is this? This is an uncircumcised Philistine. Who is this joker? You know what? Since everybody else is afraid, I'll go fight him. And he goes and approaches Saul and says, Saul, let your heart not be troubled. I'll go take him on. And Saul's like, bro, you must be smoking that good stuff. <laughs> he is a giant. <laughs> he is a giant. You're nothing but a boy. He's going to rip you to pieces. But David's like, see, you don't understand. I was prepared for this battle when I was in the mud. So Saul's like, okay, bro, your funeral, your funeral. But I don't want anybody to say that I didn't try to help you. So here, take my armor. And David straps on. He straps on Saul's armor. He straps on the sword. And he tries to go. He, he tries to move. He says, I can't use these. I, I can't walk with these. These things are useless. And he gives him back his armor. And David approaches the enemy with a staff and a sling. Notice what David did. He did not wait for the enemy to come to him. He went out after the enemy. See, the reason why a lot of us are stuck, the reason why a lot of us are stuck in neutral is because we allow the enemy to come and attack us. Why wait till the turnoff notice comes instead of being a good steward? Well, why wait till the children go crazy instead of not sparing the rod? That's too much for Sunday right there. That's old church. I remember growing up in the church with my grandmother, and she had no problem with not sparing the rod. <laughs> no problem at all. I remember getting in trouble in school one day, and I had a plan. I said, I know exactly what I'm going to do when I get home, because I know what she's going to do. So when I walked in, she calls me upstairs, and she has a belt in her hand. And she swings it, and I caught it. <laughs> she swings it again, and I caught it again. She swung it one more time, and I caught it again. Because my thinking is that if I caught it enough, she would stop. And she stopped for the moment. Because little did I know, I'm minding my business in the shower that night, and here comes my grandmother in the bathroom. And let's just say I lost the battle that night. <laughs> David, he did not wait for the enemy to attack him. He went on the attack. But what struck me, church, is that what he used... Saul tried to arm him with his armor, but he said, I can't use these. I'm going to use what I already have. Because what's already in your hands is what you need. What's already in your hands is what you need. Look at verse 40. Look at verse 40 again. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. David has a shepherd's staff, a sling, and a stone. Another version says that David was armed. 
with a shepherd's staff, a sling, and a stone. And I'm thinking, like, armed where? <laughs> armed with what? You want to know who was armed? Goliath was armed. Let me get Goliath up. Goliath was armed. He was, now that's armed. He had on a coat of mail. He had a javelin, spear, and if that wasn't enough, he had a sword. David, I mean, Goliath was armed to the T. But all David had was a shepherd's staff, a sling, and a stone. All he has is a shepherd's bag and some shepherd's clothes, rags. So I know you're probably thinking, like, why would David even go into this battle vulnerable? Saul tried to give him his armor. Why did he go into this battle vulnerable? But what if I told you David was equipped? Oh, this is getting good. Go to, go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Notice how Paul puts it. Heavenly places. Heavenly places. Our battle was not people. Our battle was, is against Satan. But we've been trying to fight this battle by ourselves. We've been trying to fight this battle with these physical weapons. But God said, if you just put on my armor, the enemy doesn't stand a chance. If you would just put on my armor, you're guaranteed to win. If you would just put on my armor, it's a fixed fight. Take a look at the armor of God. Next slide. Take a look at the armor of God. The belt of truth. He said, put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet protected with the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, it made it look like David wasn't armed, but David was armed with Jesus. Next, next slide, next slide. Because every single piece of the armor points back to Jesus. The belt of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness. Who is righteous? Jesus. Feet protected with the gospel of peace. Who is the gospel about? Jesus. Who's the prince of peace? Jesus. The shield of faith. Who do we put our faith in? Jesus. The helmet of salvation. Who is salvation? Jesus. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Who is the living word of God? Jesus. See, it may look like David wasn't armed. It may look like he was vulnerable, but God said, if you just put on my armor, the enemy doesn't stand a chance. Even though he's armed to the T, even though he's armed with a coat of mail, if you would just put on the armor of God, if you would just put on Jesus, the enemy doesn't stand a chance because Jesus has never lost the battle. He's never lost the fight. If you would just put on Jesus, you're armed and dangerous. You're armed and Dangerous. But to put it another way, let me get my staff and my sling up now. This is what David had. This is what David went to battle with. He was armed with a sling and a stone. And if you, you do your study on the staff, the shepherd's staff, it always points you right back to the great shepherd. And who was the great shepherd? Jesus. But what I found, church, is that David was carrying the staff Everywhere he went. Remember, his father sent him to the battlefield. He says, take these bread and take these supplies to your, your brothers. But David gets down to the battlefield. If you read a couple verses before, 
he leaves the supplies with the keepers. And the keepers were those watching Israel's back, make sure no one did a sneak attack. But for some strange reason, he doesn't leave this staff. For some strange reason, he's about to go into battle. He's not tending to sheep. But for some strange reason, he still has the staff in his hand. He approached the enemy with a staff and a sling. For some strange reason, he still has this staff. So I said, okay, God, what do you want me to know about this staff? Like, what is, what is this staff saying? Well, all throughout the Bible, it says God was with David. God was with David. God was with David. Follow me. God was with David. And during Christmas time, we're reminded that Jesus' name is also Emmanuel. God is with us. And David takes this staff wherever he goes. So if the staff points to Jesus, it points to Emmanuel. God is with us. Wherever David goes, God is with David. Wherever David moves, God is with David. Follow me. So he goes out against the enemy, and God was with David. But the Bible also tells us that Jesus is the rock. The rock points back to Jesus. So it may have looked like he wasn't armed. It may have looked like he was vulnerable, but he was armed with Jesus on his body. He was armed with Jesus in his left hand. He was armed with Jesus in his right hand. He approaches the enemy with the presence of God in one hand and the power of God in the other hand. And when Jesus shows up, when the power and presence of God shows up, nothing stands a chance. I don't care if it's sin. I don't care if it's, it's brokenness. I don't care if it's worthlessness. I don't care if it's loneliness. Nothing stands a chance. You're armed and dangerous. May it look like he was vulnerable, but he was strapped with Jesus. He used Jesus as his weapon. He was strapped. But I know some of you are looking at me like, how can I make that tangible? Like, like how can I take something away from that? Well, this is all David had in his hands. Saul tried to arm him. David's like, no, I'm already armed. He tried to arm him with his armor. David's like, no, I'm going to use what I already got in my hands. He was armed with a sling and a staff. A sling and a staff. Saul tried to give him his armor. He says, I can't use that. Translation, I'm not developed with that. I'm not trained with that. But he goes into battle with this staff and this sling, which tells us while he was still in the mud, he was trained with these tools. While he was still in the mud, he was trained with this shepherd's staff. While he was still in the mud, he was trained with this sling. But now that he's out the mud, moving under development, now what, he, what had to be developed in one season has now become a blessing in another season. The same tools that had to first be developed over here are the same tools he's now approaching the enemy with. These same exact tools are now his weapons. These same exact tools have now become his blessings. It's, but it's not just a blessing in one hand, but it's a blessing in both hands. And what God is telling us is that what you need is already in your hands. But if you would just allow the dirt to do its work over here, if you would allow the mud to do its work over here, moving under development, what was developed in you in one season will become your blessing in another season. If you could just endure the mud moving under development, those same tools that were once developed in you over here are the same tools you go into battle with. Those same exact tools has now become your weapon. Those same exact tools has now become your blessing. You have a blessing in both hands. You were once moving under development, but now these tools has become your blessing. So you're now moving under blessing. 
But where it all started was the mud. I was shaped in the mud. I was made in the mud. I was developed in the mud. But now that I'm out the mud, I don't care who's in front of me. I don't care what's come up against me. I don't care if it's sin. I don't care if it's death. I don't care if it's loneliness. Nothing stands a chance. I'm armed and dangerous. I'm ready to rumble. The mud will not be wasted. David goes from being developed with these tools in one season, moving under development, to these same exact tools now becoming his blessing in the fight, moving under blessing. What was developed in one season becomes a blessing in the next. David learned when he was in the mud, I'll peel it back a little further, to depend on God, to depend on God. He said, just like the Lord delivered me out of the hand and paw of the lion and bear, so shall he do with this giant. Just like he did it with those old giants, so shall he do with this new giant. He learned to depend on God. The staff points to Jesus. The rock points to Jesus. The armor points to Jesus. And if that wasn't enough, he said, you've come against the army of the Lord. And guess who the Bible says? is the commander of the army of the Lord, Jesus. There's Jesus all over this fight because it's a fixed fight. It's a fixed fight. If you would just put on the armor of God, question to you, what are you armed with when you go into the battlefield? What are you armed with when you go into your schools? What are you armed with when you go into that, 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 that classroom? What are you armed with when you go into that meeting? Because there's giants that need to be slayed. God sent you to slay the giant. People in your class, people you sit next to at the computer are crying out to God. They may not tell you, but they might have just left the bathroom crying out to God. And God sent you to slay that giant called loneliness, to slay that giant called worthlessness, that giant called substance abuse, alcoholism. God sent you to slay that giant. We are the hands and feet of God in this world. And if you do your study on world, world equals systems, banking system, education system, legal system. God sent you to slay a giant in that system. What are you armed with? Let's pray.